It was a busy year, second grade. Every afternoon, I had something to do and somewhere to be. Of course, I was lucky for that privilege of opportunity. Nevertheless, at the end of my second grade year, I informed my mother that I wanted out of all these activities. Next year, in third grade, I just wanted to play. And that's what I did. Every day after school, I came home and played. And I believe it was in these precious formative moments that I learned who I was, that I heard that clarion call. I reattached to my thread of gladness because I was given the time and space to choose my own activities. I learned about my own authentic motivations and drives. I loved to read stories, and I still loved dramatic play of all sorts, even with the little Fisher-Price people and the houses that I played with for far too long, almost in secret. And then I moved along to Barbies. Yes, Barbies, even though I was a feminist. (laughs) I wrote my own stories and kept reading other people's stories. I rode my bike and played in the yard. And I developed new friendships in school that deepened in our afternoon and weekend play together. I look back now on those years, and I am so grateful for my almost precocious knowing that I was starting to lose my thread. Somehow, I intuited that it was getting lost in the mire. Miraculously, I reached out to find it again. You don't ever let go of the thread. The space in which to flow. Where in our everyday, ordinary lives, we, we truly get into the state of flow. Where and when does that happen? Where we lose track of time and connect to this kind of deep, soulful, spiritual purpose. Again, somehow I knew enough at age seven or eight to know that I needed the space for flow in my life. I was a hardworking, engaged student in school, and I loved school and everything about it. But in the afternoon, I claimed my space for play, my space to flow. And as I grew older, I became busy again. (laughs) I am also a number seven on the Enneagram, if anyone knows the Enneagram typing system which is known as the enthusiast type. Ironically, I think sevens are at the forefront of the FOMO disorder, fear of missing out. You might have heard of that, FOMO, in our modern culture, 
We are so open to the blessings and gifts of the world that we take on way too much. Indeed, this postmodern, high-tech context in which we find ourselves invites more and more people into this state of overwhelm. We can do more, we can be more, we can try more, we can achieve more, and this starts young. In the 90s, I began teaching a family music program called Music Together for kids kids ages 0 to 4 and their parents and caregivers. Some of you might know it. Over the next 20 years, I've witnessed to the tremendous growth of competing classes and programs for our very youngest humans. Their time became more and more structured. My class was just one of many, particularly in the upwardly mobile, affluent demographic to which we were marketing. No, I thought. That's not why I got into teaching this program. I got into teaching music to young children and their grown-ups to help reconnect people with the power of music making as a birthright. And as time passed, I dug even deeper and realized that not only was music making in peril in our culture, but play itself. Dr. Stuart Brown, an advocate for play, argues that we are hardwired for play. The smarter the mammal, he asserts, the more they play. Brown spent decades recording people's play histories, he called them, and wrote a wonderful, very accessible book published in 2008 on how we can harness the power of play in our everyday lives. Well, What is play exactly? Of course, we always have to go to just defining what is it that we're talking about when we talk about play. Brown suggests that we might attribute seven qualities in defining play. There is an apparently purposelessness to the activity. It's done for its own sake. There's no agenda. It's voluntary. There's an inherent attraction There is freedom from time. There is diminished consciousness of self, ego. There's improvisational potential and a continuation of desire. Wow. Think about that. As an educator, I have long believed that if we could access this space for play, we can absorb new information and knowledge in the deepest and most profound ways. We can learn. We can know more. We can truly learn in this space of authentic engagement with material. Now, as a spiritual leader, I go one step further and see that we can access this space for play When we access this space for play, we are calling forth our very souls. But our souls are shy. 
They learn to hide away as society imposes its expectations and rules on who and how we are supposed to be in the world. Parker Palmer talks a lot about that, about how society is kind of this this mob, it's not very pleasant, of people crashing through the woods, right? But in the space for play that I just described, that's where the soul can peek out and shine forth. No one is cajoling or suggesting when play is entire, entirely voluntary. It's not the ego wishing to be recognized somehow as the triumphant winner. Ultimately, the diminished sense of self in this authentic play space yields to a gladness that is interconnected with the very reality of existence. I know that if I had not been given hours and hours of unstructured time as a child, time to be bored, I never would have reclaimed that space, that sacred space for play in second grade, because that's kind of later on. I would not have known to seek it out and to find my thread again. I might have been afraid of unstructured time by the time I was seven or eight. Afraid of that boredom. Afraid of nothingness. Afraid even of my very shy soul. When it emerges, will I know it? Will I feel comfortable? Instead, I was able to apprehend my soul enough to hear its call to teaching, to connecting. I am one of those who held daily classes with my dolls and stuffed animals, lining them up in front of my little blue chalkboard. I knew from the very earliest play that I was called to do some kind of teaching and connecting with groups. In this moment, I believe that reclaiming play for ourselves can help transform the world. I believe that as parents and caregivers, when we create space for authentic play for our children, and even for ourselves, we can still do it for ourselves. And I mean authentic play, purposeless, voluntary, freedom from time, diminished sense of self, ongoing desire. When we do that, we can experience a divine kind of gladness that was named by the theologian Frederick Buechner. God calls you to the place where your deep gladness meets the world's deep hunger. This is not a selfish, hedonistic thing, but rather a kind of pure contentedness that, when firmly lodged in our everyday experience, can bring a kind of peace and harmony to our being and to our purpose in the world. Sometimes it's maybe not quite what we expected or even desired, especially in our children, and I think that's what causes anxiety. 
creating that open space where we don't know what our children are going to be motivated to do. But it should never be something that we attempt to manipulate or control for their authentic play and our authentic play is our essential self. What would our world look like? What would our world look like if people traveled their journey through life connected to essence, to soul? As you use, we believe in the goodness of people, the inherent dignity and worth, our connectivity and interdependence, compassion, justice, this goal of world community with peace and justice for everyone. We don't talk a lot about the shadow sides. We tread lightly. We don't talk really about why demagoguery is flourishing and fear can easily become our main motivator. Maybe play or the lack thereof has something to do with it. What if believing in the inherent dignity of each being is also believing that every human comes to the earth with a capacity for play? I'm here to play, to experience the divine. That's my motivation, and my play is ultimately what undergirds my deeper purpose in life, in living. My deeper purpose in living, my raison d'etre. I'm not here to win to be better, to have more, to prove my worth. I'm here to experience gladness. How about you? First, we need to play in order to discover that thread. We need to create the sacred space with intention We can do that. It's free. And no particular tools are necessary as we come with all the right packaging, each and every one of us. Then, when we create that space, we can sit with the wonder of what it would happen, what would happen, if we never let go of the thread. Amen.